And now, presenting the Star of the Show podcast with your host, Delaney Swift. Welcome back to the Star of the Show podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Swift, and we have a lovely guest for you on today's episode. And I think it's coming at the perfect timing with what's going on in the world and just people's stress levels right now and mental health being of utmost importance. Today, I am joined by Amy Estrin, who is a licensed therapist in New York, New Jersey, and Florida. We chat about common themes that people see a therapist, or maybe reasons why people ultimately make the decision to go to therapy, how social media comes into play in these conversations that she's having, and just how social media affects mental health in our day and age in general. We also talk about self-care and self-care practices, and it was so refreshing to get to speak with Amy, and I think that anyone who's listening will be able to take something away from this episode even if it just makes you feel like you're less alone. I do want to call out that my audio quality is not as up to par as it usually is, so I did want to mention that because I was getting really hard on myself about it, but then I remembered that this is a conversation around therapy and mental health, and I'm not going to beat myself up for it. And I think that even though the audio is annoying me, You will be able to take so much away from this episode, and Amy is just such a pleasure and such a treat, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So welcome, Amy, to the Star of the Show podcast. Welcome to the show, Amy. I'm really happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Of course, of course. So... I wanted you to maybe give the listeners like a little bit of a feel for how you became a therapist and what really inspired you to take this specific career path. Absolutely. Um, So I didn't fully know, but I think ever since I was younger, I was always the friend, the sibling, the family member that people went to when it came to like listening and telling advice. And I think in the moment I was like, I would look for that, you know, like I would look yeah. for the answer, I would always ask the questions of what's going on and what's going, how can I help and all of this. And then once I really got into college and it was time like, okay, choose a major, I went into psychology and I was minoring in sociology and human development and family science. And once I started seeing the path of a therapist and I was like, wow, like I could really do this for a living. Like I can really be there for people and I can really support them and I can hear their stories and I can guide them through what's going on and kind of like be a safe space for people. Um, So I knew my freshman year of college that this was something that I wanted to do. And I went down the path. I went to graduate school and now I'm working at a private practice as a therapist. Wow. That's interesting because I feel like, you know, a lot of people are there for their friends or their family members and like are that sounding board, but you don't always like have that realization that like maybe that's something that you actually enjoy So it's interesting that, you know, you were able to like see that through what you enjoyed and like what people came to you for. Absolutely. I think I also had my own experience in therapy and would hear others' experiences in therapy and I saw the benefits that came along with it. So it was like, okay, this is something that I enjoy doing. I enjoy hearing the stories. I see myself getting emotionally invested in them. And I also saw the benefits myself of like, wow, really having that safe space where I can go every week and really just like open up and be my most vulnerable self and talk about the topics that 
might not be happening in my everyday life. And I saw, saw firsthand like how someone's support and guidance and just like, honestly, I, I would say the unconditional support. It's like always having someone on your side who also is looking out for you and only wants the best for you. And it's not someone who I know in my personal life, it's this unbiased person. Mm-hmm. And I think through that journey and that experience, and I saw firsthand like the positive benefits that could come from that combined with the fact that I've loved doing this ever since I was younger and I've loved having these meaningful conversations. And I was just like, wow, okay, I can really do this as a profession. Do you feel like you're the type of person when you're in like friend groups or just like in your social life, someone that like likes to go deeper quicker, like likes to get to know someone on a deeper level? I definitely would say so. And I think now that this is my profession, I like know to like take the therapy hat off when I'm yeah. with my friends and my family. And like, there are so many times when I want to be like, can you explain that to me? And then I'm also like, wait, we're at dinner. And like, that's not what we're doing right now. But definitely, I think when I was younger, and I didn't really know what I was doing, I loved to dive deeper. And I love to ask those questions. And I think now I'm more like, okay, boundaries, like time and place, like there will be time when people want to say more. And like, when I'm out for dinner with a group of people, like this is not the time. So I think yeah. I've gotten good at balancing the two. Yeah, I feel like that would definitely be a hard way to balance, especially because, I mean, I'm obviously not a therapist, but like my friends will come to me about similar issues that I've had and that I've spoken to my therapist about. And it takes so much of me not to like, you know, try and teach them that lesson. I feel like sometimes I do, you know, just say my therapist told me, but I'm like, I just want to help you so bad, but I don't want to overstep. <laughs> I totally understand that. And something that I use in my own personal life is just like the question of like comfort or solution. So yes. like when someone's coming to me, it's like, okay, are you coming to me to vent and you just want that safe space like within our friendship? Or like, are you coming to me as like, okay, I have a problem and I need advice yeah. as a friend. And like, again, I really try to put my therapy aside. And like, when it comes to my friendships, it's the same dynamic that it's always been. But I also think like asking that question in any type of relationship, like comfort or solutions, what are you looking for? Really helps. Yeah. That's such, that's such good advice. Honestly, I need to remember to do that more because <laughs> that's what I want people to do for me. Like I want my boyfriend to do that. I want my friends to do that. My mom to do that. Like sometimes I just want to tell you what's going on and you used to be like a sounding board. And then sometimes I get mad when people try to offer advice. (laughs) No, and that's a totally normal human reaction, especially when you're having these days when like, okay, like I know it's not the end of the world. Like I know it's all going to be solved, but like you just want to get it off your chest. It's like, okay, this is something that's bothering me. I just want to talk about it. And then when people come at you with solutions, you're like, no, I'm not trying to fix it right now. Like I just want to talk. You're like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tell me a little bit about your private practice, Realistic Remedies, right? Yes. So we um, are a team of mental health professionals. We're all licensed therapists, and we work with Gen Z, millennial, give or take a couple of ages. Um, But we really just try to make therapy really authentic and really relatable. Um, Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's really intimidating to go into a therapeutic space and sit across from the stranger and be like, okay, how do I tell you everything that's going on in my life? Or like, my secrets, my traumas, my anxieties, whatever is going on. And I think it's just so important to feel comfortable within that space. And I think that's what my coworkers and I really try to do is like coming into like a really comfortable environment. Um, We do all telehealth. So like my clients will take it from bed with their cat in their lap or like in their pajamas, right at their shower. Like we make it as comfortable as it possibly can be so that we can really build this connection and build this rapport to kind of have these really in-depth conversations and really talk a lot about the trauma. And then it's also like, 
days where there's not trauma and it's like okay I just want to like talk to my therapist like here's what's going on here's updates Uh about my friends here's updates about my relationship here's my updates about work or like okay we're holding you accountable like I said that I was going to do this checking in how are you doing but yeah I think I just really my coworkers and I tried to make it the most authentic space for our clients and we really wanted to be like really comfortable really judgment free it's very client-centered so we follow our clients lead and we just want therapy to kind of be normalized like it's not like oh I'm in therapy because I need therapy it's like no this is just a great awesome safe space that I can go once a week and kind of just like talk my feelings out and have the conversations that I'm not having in the real world I love that and you know what's funny is like I've had some conversations with friends recently and even experiences myself where sometimes you feel like when you're coming to your therapist I think I might have seen this actually on a, on a TikTok or something like that too there's a, a therapist that talks about what people think when they come to therapy and like debunking these like myths about what therapists think. And someone said that like they thought they were going to be judged. And I've definitely felt that way before. I think that I've had friends that have experienced that before, but what would you say to someone who feels like they might be judged by their therapist, even though that's not true, but like, you know, the people pleaser tendency in me, the perfectionist, perfectionist tendencies inside of me makes me feel like that sometimes like what would you say to those people about that made up or imaginary judgment well I would I would first question the therapeutic relationship of like okay what is making you feel judged and where are you Mm -hmm. getting this from because I always like to say like where is the evidence behind these negative thoughts right first of all it could just be okay me and my therapist are not a match and and we don't vibe and we don't get along because that is so important. I don't want that to be anything that's devalued. Like, I really do want you to feel comfortable with your therapist. And then another thing is like, okay, so if you don't have any evidence and it's like, I don't know what she does. I just feel judged. Is asking the question of like, are you going in with a really open mind? And sometimes it's kind of this feeling of like, okay, I'm judging myself for having these thoughts or I, I don't agree with the thoughts I'm having, but right. I'm having them and it's projecting it. Like your therapist might be sitting there and genuinely like, okay, here's a thought that you were having. Let's talk it through. Let's better understand it. Let's see why you're having this thought. And it's, they're asking these questions to kind of dive a little deeper and ask a little bit more. And instead of like in a judging way of like, oh, why are you feeling that way? It's like genuinely, why are you feeling this way? Like, let's open up this conversation. Let's talk about it, especially the topics that maybe you've never spoken to anyone before. And like, you're really opening up to your therapist. And I would kind of just ask, where's the root of that judgmental feeling coming from? Right. And I think, I mean, in my case, I feel like I can say that a lot of the judgment probably comes from like what you think other people are thinking of you or the judgment that you have on on yourself, or at least that's what I experience. And it's like, oh, this person must be judging me because this is so, you know, cringy to admit or so embarrassing or shameful or whatever it is. But I think that's such a good point. Like, you know, first of all, not every therapist is going to be a good match. And that's probably very important too. And second, like, you know, where are these thoughts actually coming from? Going off of that, what are some like common reasons that you see people coming to therapy for? Like, this is the thing that finally made them want to see someone. That's a really interesting question. I think it really differs per person. And I think the biggest thing is like people are coming in and I always ask like, why therapy? Why now? Um, on the consultation call of getting to know each other. And it really, it could stem from, okay, this is something that I've been going through, but it also just could be like, I'm not feeling like myself. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling unhappy. I'm feeling insecure. I'm struggling with work-life balance. I'm struggling within a relationship. And it doesn't need to be this like one reason, this is why I'm in therapy. It could really be like an overarching thing of there are a lot of things going on. And I think 
communication is a huge thing. And when it comes to like relationships, okay, I'm having a problem in my relationship and what's, what's going wrong? Why is this happening? And it's like, okay, what is your communication style look like? How do you interact with coworkers, with family members, with relationships and exploring that? And I think another thing is friendships of like, okay, I work with a lot of 20 something, 30 something, and now it's navigating and exploring friendships. And I think in our childhood, it's like, okay, we're friends with the people we play sports with, or we are go to school with, or we do after school activities with. And now in your twenties and your thirties, like you choose the friendships that you have and they're not just made for you or given for you. So I think a huge topic is exploring friendships and relationships, um, coping with life transitions. I think making that switch from college into the real world or switching from one job to another, one industry to another, Mm -hmm. hopping from one relationship to another, changing cities. I think a lot of times we underestimate how much strength, honestly, I would say it takes to like go through a life transition and like understanding like, okay, what makes me happy? And can I do this in the same city that I'm at right now? Or do I need to move to another one? And what job do I want to explore? And I think life transitions is a huge thing. Another topic would just be self-esteem. And like, do I feel happy within myself? How can I change that? What are things that are making me upset? Do I have these negative thoughts that I'm battling? Um, And then of course, there's anxiety if somebody is battling with depression and it's kind of like, okay, what coping tools do I need to help me through this, to help Mm -hmm. me like see the light, to help me get through it? I think that's so interesting to hear because like hearing you say them, it sounds very, I don't want to say logical, but it sounds like very understandable and like very, I don't, I don't want to say simple either, but it just seems like these are understandable reasons why people would come to therapy. Right. And like, sometimes whenever I talk to my therapist or any therapist for that matter, it feels like my problems are so silly. Like I'm having these conversations about, you know, friends or, you know, like changing jobs or being anxious about being stuck in a job or whatever. It feels so minuscule in like the grand scheme of things, but it really is, can be so daunting of like a decision to make or it just feels very large right for for that person experiencing it so what would you say to someone who feels like maybe I don't know maybe they just feel silly for the way that they're feeling about this specific experience that they're they're going through so I think that when it comes to therapy like no problem is too small and it's something if it's impacting you it's a real issue that's going on within your life. And I think that this happens a lot where someone will say something and be like, maybe this is silly. And it's never silly because if it's impacting you and it's making you anxious or it's making you upset or it's making you angry or whatever the case may be, it is a real problem that you are having. And there, of course, there are some days when it's like, okay, let's dive into my childhood trauma and let's talk about it. And then there are other days where it's like, okay, I'm really stressed out over work and I would like to talk about it or I'm struggling with my relationship and I would like to talk about it or whatever it may be. I just don't think that there are any problems that are too small because it's a problem for a reason because it's impacting you. And I think that's what I would say to anyone who feels like, okay, maybe this is silly to bring up into therapy or this doesn't feel big enough to go into therapy about. And I think it doesn't have to be this huge life event that happens that puts you into therapy. I think it's just this idea that like, okay, I want to invest in my own mental health and I want to make this better for myself. Right. It doesn't have to be like this huge traumatic thing that happened. It's like you just want to actively work on yourself and have someone to talk to about that and work on that with. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great great point. I know you kind of touched on this already, but 
Are there any things that you hear come up more than once that people are requesting help with or support around? And it might be shocking to, for other people to hear just because I wonder like if there's any common themes that people struggle with certain things that might make them feel less alone about also having those thoughts and those feelings. Do you see any specific types of themes around those things? I'm trying to think of in specifics. I think one question that has really shocked a lot of people is when we talk about self-care. And I think with all of these topics, like self-care mm-hmm. really comes into play of like, okay, but how do you take care of yourself? Like both mentally and physically and like how do you prioritize yourself? And if somebody has the answer of, I don't know, like I don't have one. And then I explore like, okay, what do you like to do? What are your hobbies? And they're a shocking amount of people who like take a step back and they're like, hmm, I don't know. Like yeah. I don't have one. I'm 30 something and I don't have one or I'm 20 something and I don't have one. And I think that is one question and that's something that it actually has just come up a lot recently. I think just the change of seasons in New York and trying to figure out like, okay, going from summer really fast, everyone's in puffers and suddenly it's winter, it's going to get dark earlier and kind of like, okay, how do I practice this self-care? And I think it's so interesting how many people have never really asked themselves that or I've never really explored that or prioritized like, okay, doing something every day that makes me happy or something that I look forward to or something that I enjoy and not just going to work, eating dinner, showering, getting into bed. Right. Um, so I think that's something that I hope everyone can understand. That, like not everyone knows exactly what they're doing and has a passion project and has all these hobbies and right. has it all figured out. Like it's never too late to start trying and to start exploring like the things that make you genuinely happy. Yeah. I think that's key to understand because I feel like social media really makes it seem like everyone has like the perfect routine, the perfect self-care, like, I don't know, just the perfect like hobbies. Everyone's doing something. Everyone's doing more than you. So that being said, like when people come to you saying they don't really have a self-care routine, they don't really have hobbies. What, if any, self-care tips do you give them? Do you give them certain resources to turn to? Do you help them kind of uncover those themselves? What's that next step? Yeah, I think um, it's very client-centered. So I would, of course, explore with the client things that they would think, okay, this might be of interest to me, or this might excite me, or especially the clients that like I've been working with for a decent amount of time. I'm like, okay, you mentioned doing this, and that has always brought you joy and something like that. And it's like, wow, you're so right. That's not something I've ever prioritized, but it's something that I enjoy. And I think it's not just like me saying, oh, I think you should do this. It's good for your mental health. But me, like, I definitely would list options of like, okay, here are ways that you can explore to try to figure out how you can find this self-care. And it doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be the most extravagant thing. It can be something as like, okay, taking 30 minutes to go outside and go for a walk and like having fresh air or journaling. I think a huge thing that I would recommend, I do it to all my clients, to my friends, my family, to everyone is journaling. And I think it's something that seems so daunting at first, like I'm not journaling. And I'm not saying you need to do it every single day, but I think journaling is so important to have in our routine. And I don't think that it needs to be the most structured thing, but just, okay, here's a little bit of a life update. Here's how I'm feeling. Here are the things that I'm grateful for. And here are the things that I'm looking forward to. And I think my favorite part about that is being able to look back on those days when you would write down in your journal that like, nothing seemed to be going right. Or I was so upset about this and I was so frustrated. And on those days when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and then you look back two weeks later and you're like, wow, that felt like the end of the world, but here I am now, or two months later, two years, whatever it may be. 
And then I always recommend putting a little bit of a gratitude list of like, okay, here are the things that I'm grateful for, or here are the good things that happened this week or today or whatever it may be. Because I think it's just so beneficial to also look back. And if you're writing one or two a day or one one to three every week or whatever it may be, looking back at this gratitude list of when you're feeling these moments of super anxious, super upset, super angry, you can look back and be like, wow, okay, I do have things going for me, even if it feels like nothing's going on. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I feel like I have to do that as well and like remind myself that I do have things going for me because you can get so down on yourself and like go down a spiral of like a rabbit hole. I love journaling too, but I agree with you. Like sometimes it can feel daunting or it can feel like this just feels like a chore or homework or like, you know, but it can be so helpful. What is it about journaling that can be so therapeutic for us? Is it simply just like, because we're writing our thoughts down and we're like opening a forum up for ourselves to like be able to dump and make sense of our feelings? Yes, I think absolutely. And I think the same way, you know, cause you were in therapy, kind of having that safe space, you start off with one thing and you start talking about one topic and 20 minutes could go by and you're like, how did I get here on this tangent? And I think that's the same way when we put our pen to paper or, or in our notes app or whatever it may be, and we start writing, I think we get surprised at how much we can write. And like, even starting with like, today was an okay day. And just mm-hmm. writing like what happened today, I think it's just so nice to put your thoughts out there. I also think if you're doing it in the morning, if you're doing it at the end of the day, it's a nice way to process the things that are going on. So of course, we do that in the therapeutic space where we kind of digest, okay, here's what's going on. But if you don't have therapy this day and a lot are going on, I think it's nice to kind of write down these thoughts and to be able to see like, okay, I feel overwhelmed. Let me write down in my journal. I feel overwhelmed and kind of just see where it takes me and being able to look back of like, okay, it's valid. Like, this is why I feel overwhelmed. I have a lot mm-hmm. going on at work. I have a lot going on in my relationships. I have a lot going on. It's just like, here's the list and being able to read your own words is like validating within themselves. And then it's also just, like I said, it's a great way to look back and say, okay, this felt like it was the end of the world, or I felt like I was never going to be able to get through this. And here I am. And I got through it. It is really crazy not to get too deep or weird, but I remember I looked back on one of my old notes from like when I was in a relationship I really wasn't happy in. And I like the place that I was in was just completely different. Like I literally literally wrote down, like if you would just kiss me on the forehead every once in a while or give me a compliment every once in a while, like it would show me so much how you care, like how you care about me. And I'm like, the fact that that was like the bare minimum is like really sad. And then I would write down things that I was grateful for. And I wrote down, I'm grateful for alcohol. I'm grateful for weekends. Like, first of all, I don't really drink that much anymore. Like my max is like two a night. if I'm having alcohol. And so it's just funny that I was in that place at that time where that's what I was looking forward to was like the weekend and drinking and disconnecting. So I think it is a really powerful tool. Also like the power of asking yourself questions, I think too, is like so interesting because, you know, then you start opening up to yourself. It's so weird. Like what you can come up with when you just ask yourself a question and then starting to like write it down. Absolutely. And I think when the same way, like a safe space in a therapeutic room, it's a safe space in your journal. And you can kind of explore these topics and you can write down these thoughts that you might not want to say out loud because who's reading them? Just you. It's simply just for you. Yeah. And I think, yeah, especially in like in your own experience, looking back of being like, wow, okay. Like now you can look back and say, that was the bare minimum. Like that is not what I want for myself right now. But you know that you were also in that place once before. Yeah. 
I know I have like three of my journals right behind me that are like really cute and they're stacked and then I have like something on top of them like this is also my guest room so if anyone ever reads those <laughs> this is not an invitation for any of you to read them if you're listening to this I'm hiding them and locking them away when any guests come <laughs> I'm curious about social media and how it shows up in your conversations that you're having in therapy with your clients? Like, do you find that that is a common thing that's discussed? Do you feel that's something that's commonly affecting how people are feeling or showing up to therapy? What does that look like? Absolutely. I think social media, not only within like my therapeutic space, even in my own personal life, I think social media gives, it's great in so many ways. But there's also ways that it gives this false reality of like, I'm not doing enough. I haven't accomplished enough. How is everybody else my age living this lifestyle and I'm working a nine to five and I want to be in bed by 8 p.m. And it's kind of like we see this false reality sometimes that these people put out there and we're like, okay, why isn't my life that? And now I feel like my life isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Or I think another thing is just like constantly comparing this, this person's always getting new and having new and wearing the best things. And it's like, okay, I'm not doing that. Now I feel like I need more and more and more. And it's like this never ending void of like, when is, when is enough enough? Right. And I think that's definitely something that goes up and comparison is a huge thing. Like comparison is like the thief of joy. It's like, okay, I thought I was having a great day, but then I look online and this person's having an even better day than I am. It looks like, and I think one thing that we forget is we're only seeing little snippets and the best moments of their days. And they're not seeing the fact that your umbrella broke while you were walking in the pouring rain. We're just seeing the cafe that they were at. And I think Uh we're forgetting the like realistic moments of our lives and the fact that that's not being shown online, just the picture perfect moments are. I know it's so true. And you can be having like the best day or like a great start to your day and you log on social media and you see like one little thing that annoys you it's crazy how much that can derail you. Absolutely. Especially like following people that you feel, maybe you never met them in real life, but you feel like you have a connection to them. You feel like, okay, they're really relatable and they're someone that I strive to be. And that's where the comparison comes in of like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, I thought I was doing a lot, but look how much she's doing. She's Mm -hmm. two years younger than me or she's two years older than me or whatever. Oh my gosh. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so relatable. And not only is it like you're comparing certain aspects about your life, I feel like you're, it's very granular. Like it can be very specific. Whereas like comparison, I feel like it's always been around, like, you know, it's, it's human nature, but then you can compare yourself to like their hair, their makeup, what they're wearing, the relationship, how much money they make, the apartment they live in, like all of these very specific things. We can see so much into these people's lives that we wouldn't be able to even like 10 years ago. Absolutely. And it's, it's crazy. So what are your, I don't know, like your tips or your conversations that you're having with your clients on how to deal with this comparison? I know it's probably very tailored to the client, but is there like a, a general thing that you can say to anyone who's listening to this? I think in terms of comparison, it's just it's really being happy with what you have and finding joy in what you have because you can always look at somebody else who has more and like you said, who lives in the gorgeous apartment and makes a lot of money and has the dream relationship. And we can always compare ourselves with these people that we see online. But I think it's also really important to know like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And the same way that 
we talk about topics that maybe nobody else in their lives knows. Like we are just watching little points of their life and we don't know Uh what's actually going on behind the scenes. And we can think everything is picture perfect, but I don't think that it really is. And I think in terms of the comparison, it's like we are comparing our entire life with only a portion of somebody else's life that we can see online. So I think that's a huge thing that's like really important to remember. That's so true. There's like so many other aspects of their life. Like, would you really want just that piece of their life if you had to take all of their life? Like, or would you want to stay yourself? Yeah. Right. And we don't exactly know what's going on in their life. Like we might know what they wear to work every day, but we know nothing else about them. Exactly. It's so true. The, the new clothes every day, new outfits, new content every day. It, it, it's exhausting. It's like a never ending cycle. Like you were saying, what would you say is like your best advice for someone who maybe feels like they're unhappy in their job right now, or they're experiencing stress in the workplace. Maybe they feel stuck and they're kind of like at a loss for what to do next. Absolutely. I think the first thing is just questioning like, okay, what are you doing? And how did you get here? And what's your why? And it's kind of like, okay, why did I choose to go into this job? And what was the reasons behind it? Maybe it was a passion or maybe it was the paycheck or maybe it was the benefits or whatever it may be. But what was your priority when it came to accepting this job? And then another thing that I would explore of like, okay, are you feeling this sense of burnout? And again, going back to the self-care, how are you helping yourself outside of the workplace? So, okay, you work this nine to five. That's a lot of hours of your day. I recognize that to be in the office. What are you doing from your five to nine after? And how do you express yourself after? How do you explore your passions? How do you spend time with your loved ones? And kind of like, do you make time for that? So I think a lot of it is figuring out like, okay, time management. And I know that I have to spend these hours in the office, but how can I help myself outside of the office? And then I think another thing to explore is like, okay, what is your company culture like? Do you surround yourself with people that you can get along with? And I think that's a huge thing of like, okay, who do you have in the workplace that brings you joy and who is someone that you can go grab a coffee with during lunch or whatever it may be. Um, And I think there's so many different aspects to this and it'd be very um, personable to whoever I'm speaking to, but I definitely think there's a lot of different things to explore when it comes to work-life balance or burnout or feeling stuck. I think that's probably, I mean, I don't know, I'm just assuming like something that a lot of people are probably experiencing right now, especially because we do have this comparison aspect on social media and we can see what like what everyone else is doing and it seems like everyone else has this much more fabulous life and we're just you know slumming it working nine to five behind a computer every day it's like it's a very very common feeling it's just so funny like I can't imagine you know what our parents or grandparents thought of like would think of this because it just seems like no one had any complaints they were just showing up to work (laughs) I'm sure that's not true, but. No, I have it often. I'm just like, we worked the nine to five or we worked from even earlier from seven to seven or whatever, maybe. And like, there there was no other option. Like, that's just all that they did. Yeah, I know. It's simpler times. I'm glad to live in in this year, but (laughs) sounds nice sometimes. I know that this is kind of like a sensitive subject. So I'm just curious with the current happenings in the world, obviously a lot's been going on in the media, the news right now. So for someone who is very affected by what's going on, maybe seeing it on the news, seeing it on their phones, like how can they protect their mental health right now? 
Absolutely. I think especially right now where it's like we have the media at our fingertips and we are seeing so much content. And again, there's being so much content flooded into our lives. And I think there are numerous things that you can do to help yourself. And one, I think if you're over consuming media, it's okay to put the phone down for a little bit. And I totally understand like wanting to stay on top of things and wanting to stay educated. But I also think that you can take a break from that and you can put the phone down for a couple of minutes to kind of practice bring again bringing you back to self-care but practice these things that make you happy and go for that walk or go take that workout class and kind of take that time to kind of disassociate and take that time for yourself and it will always you can come back and you can find out more but I think it's also really important to prioritize your mental health and knowing like okay I feel really overwhelmed or I feel really upset and this is a lot of information that I just absorbed and I think it's safe to say that you should give yourself some time to just process it and whatever whichever way that makes you feel comfortable but I think taking a little bit of a break from it would be helpful. And I also think another thing is seek support, whether it's from a licensed professional or it's from a family member or it's from a friend that you really trust. I really think there are a lot of feelings that we are holding on to internally. And I think it's really important to talk those feelings through and to feel like, okay, I'm having these really big feelings and I'm not alone in them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is kind of random, but do you ever feel like there are times when you're having a conversation with someone and they've been given advice from a family member or a loved one or maybe a partner and it's just completely not the advice at all that you would ever want to give a client like in those cases how do you redirect that conversation or do you just offer alternative methods like because I feel like they see that so often or I I, I hear I about that I actually can't think of a specific scenario that that has happened to um, off the top of my head. But I think if I was in that position, like even with like a friend or a family member and they were coming to me with advice that didn't seem to work, I think I would kind of ask the friend, the family member, whoever it may be like, okay, and how do you feel about that? Like, yeah. do you feel like this is the right thing for you? And I would explore like, okay, this was the advice that you're given. And sometimes if it's the only advice that we're given, we're going to take that advice because we have nothing to compare to. But I feel like if they're bringing it to the attention to have the conversation about it, that means they haven't taken it. So they probably internalized it. And now they're questioning like, okay, is this right for me? So I think if, if it was advice in this like specific scenario that wouldn't work for the person, I think that they probably have a little bit internalized that they've already acted, they haven't acted upon it yet. And they're bringing it to attention of like, do you think this would be good? Yeah. And I think I would kind of put the question of, do you like, this is your life. Do you think it would be good for you? And exploring like, okay, if we did this, what, I, I don't always like to do the what ifs, but what are the, the scenarios that could come from this? So if yeah. it was bad advice and I think that it would end poorly, I think it would probably be portrayed within the situation. But that was yeah. actually a really interesting question. I can't think of something off the top of my head. So I have some rapid fire questions for you. There are three questions. I know I didn't say these to you, but they're pretty easy okay. and fun. Okay. Um, so my first question is, what is your favorite comfort show? New Girl. I'm rewatching it right now, so I also feel like I have to say that. So good. Like, the comedic relief. Like, I don't think I've audibly laughed out loud at many other shows <laughs> the way I have with New Girl and Schitt's Creek. Yeah, Schitt's Creek as well. Also, Grace and Frankie, if you've ever oh, seen it. I love that show. I just, I honestly love comfort TV. Like, I love watching other people's life not be picture perfect, but, like, in the funniest way and, like, watching them go about it. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say new girl right now, just because I am rewatching it for like literally the fifth time. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a good one. I've heard that. I think that like one other person has answered that. Like, I think that is such a, 
a good one. And honestly, I think those three shows you just listed are like the perfect comedic relief. And like, that's what the world needs is just like to go watch those shows and just disconnect for a little bit because I think everyone's feeling it really heavy right now. So yes. And I am someone who, like, I cannot fall asleep at night to, like, serious TV. Like, I cannot watch anything that I have to think about. Like, watching New Girl and just, like, laughing myself to sleep is, like, the best thing. The best. Okay. The next question is, what is your guilty pleasure? So this could be, like, a food, a show, a book. I'm going to say sushi. Like, I think that's the one thing that, like, I'll just never say no to. I could literally have dinner made. If someone's like, want to go get sushi? It's like. Yeah, I do. I, I always want it. I'm always craving it. I would say it's my favorite food. So that would definitely be it. That's a good one. Because even if you like, it's not like that bad for you, you know, it's not yes, bad for you. So I think it's I, a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> Girl, that's a great guilty pleasure to have. The last question is, what is a self-care activity or a daily ritual that you're currently obsessed with? So I think I spoiled it for myself earlier, but I would say journaling. And I think just to preface, like it was not something that came easy to me at first. I think I started a couple of years back and it was like, Ugh, do I really have to journal? And now I'm to the point that like, I act like my journal is my therapist. Like I'm like, today was a bad day. And I just like go off. And I yeah. think I like love looking back at myself and like, I literally laugh at the things that I write to myself. Yeah. I love it. LOL in the middle of my like journal entry. Like I've just made them so Circle. personable. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's something that like, I really look forward to because again I love reflecting back on my life and if I didn't write down these moments I wouldn't remember like the little day-to-days that happen and then I can look back and be like it starts with today was the worst day and I'm reading I'm like was that really the worst day oh, but like, in the moment like I felt that that was the worst day yeah I know and sometimes like it's crazy to look and see how much has changed even in just like a year or a few Absolutely. months like what whatever feels like really big and scary right now like it won't even feel remotely as big and scary in a few months from now absolutely so yeah I would definitely see journaling yes I'm cu- I'm curious too about therapists having therapists do most therapists have therapists or what's that dynamic like yes I think I would say most I don't want to speak for all therapists because I don't know but the therapists that I know do have therapists is that recommended um, yeah I would say that it is. And it's kind of just like, okay, we have a lot of heavy conversations and like needing to debrief them. But I think like within my own therapeutic thing, like it's it's really just also like to debrief my own life and like the same support that I give to my clients. Like I love having that for myself. And again, just like having that comfortable, safe space where I can go in with my therapist and be like, here's what's going on this week. And like, let's talk about it. And like on the harder days, like I'm, I'm struggling with this. And I think a lot of times people are like, can't you just give therapy to yourself? And I can, but again, it's like, I don't, feel the same like personal connection that I do like with my therapist and we were able to build such amazing rapport where I feel like okay like she's there for me she trusts me she's non-biased I trust her and it's like okay I can actually have these conversations and feel like I'm getting somewhere with them whereas if like I'm having them to myself again it's just like internal not as effective (laughs) yeah yeah I know and sometimes like when it's yourself you don't think about things the same way you know it's like you can give advice but when it's you having your own feelings, like you need someone to bounce that off of probably. Yes. And especially like when I'm talking with friends, family members, clients, like when I ask those deeper questions, those aren't questions that I tend to really ask myself. So I think it's really nice yeah. to have the therapist be like, lean that a little bit more. Because if I was talking to myself, which I often do, it's like, okay, I would say something and not give it a second thought. Right. If, if there was someone that was listening to this right now and maybe like hasn't gone to therapy or hasn't gone to therapy in a while, 
and they're thinking about it, but maybe they're nervous for whatever reason that is, like, what would you tell that person right now? I always ask the question of why therapy and why now? So I think if you have this feeling like, okay, I want to go see a therapist, I think it's really exploring like, okay, and, and why? And I think if you even have one reason where it's like, I'm unhappy in this aspect, or I'm anxious about this, or I'm stressed, whatever the feeling may be, there's no feeling that's too little. And I think that's when you should go see a therapist. And I think even if you're unhappy in some aspect or you are happy and it's like, okay, I just want somebody to talk to. I want to feel supported. I don't feel like I have that human connection in my life. I think it's just so important to be in therapy. And if you're thinking about it, like truly it's the best investment. It's investing in your own mental health and that impacts all other things the same way. Like, okay, I want to invest in a gym because I want to feel good physically. It's like, okay, I want to feel good mentally. So I want to have this therapeutic space where I can explore that. Okay, my last question is for someone maybe who can't afford therapy or yeah, they don't have the right resources, like is there a tool that you would give them to try and, I don't know, help themselves or lean into what or would it be that journaling aspect of things to kind of get to tune into their own thoughts? Yeah, I would definitely say journaling would be like super helpful. Um, meditation is something when it comes to just like grounding yourself and centering yourself and really being present. Um, again, it it would be very dependent on what the client is going through and what they were looking for out of therapy. Um, but I also think it's just like explore the options out there. A lot of therapists do sliding scale and they really want to work with you and they want to make something work. Um, speak out to your insurance companies, see what they can offer you. And I think if you really need that mental health and you're looking for, sorry, if you really want to work on that, your mental health and you really want that safe therapeutic space, I would say, I know it's not easy. I do truly want to acknowledge that. It, I wish there were more therapists in the world. We're getting there. <laughs> um, but I really do think it's like, okay, if this is something that you really want to, it's like explore your options and see what else is out there. Because I know a lot of therapists do work on sliding scales and they really do want to make it work. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. Um, okay. Shout yourself out. Tell everyone where they can find you and how they could potentially work with you. Yeah. So I am actually accepting new clients in New York, New Jersey, and Florida. So if anyone is interested, we do telehealth, 45-minute sessions. I offer a free 15-minute consultation. So if anyone is having these questions about therapy and knowing like, okay, how does this work? Who are you? Let me tell you about myself. I'm happy to see if we make the right fit. Like I said earlier, it's so important to feel like you are connected with your therapist So I value that. I think every client, I don't even meet with someone before having a 15 minute consultation because I want to make sure that we are the right fit and this feels comfortable for you. And I feel like you feel like you will get help from me because if I don't help you, then I'm not doing my job. Um, That's great. So I will give the website to Delaney and we can, it's www.realisticremedies.com. Our Instagram is realisticremedies and you can reach out via the website to schedule a 15 minute consultation and I'm happy to work with anyone who needs it. Yes. And you guys have really helpful tips on your Instagram as well. So go. We do blog posts weekly and some mental health tips. So if anyone's interested in that, there's some, I'm not going to call it free therapy, but some free tips for you on Instagram. Yeah, free resources. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I hope that everyone got something great out of this episode and go to therapy if you can. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. This was so fun. Of course.
Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you are loving the podcast, please, please leave a rating and review and tell others what you're loving about the show. It really helps grow the podcast and helps me create more content for you. If you have suggestions for the pod or questions you'd like me to answer, you can always email staroftheshowpod at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next Wednesday.